listening to Real Presence Live on the Real Presence Radio Network. Join the conversation on our Facebook page or on Twitter. And be sure to like and follow us for more great Catholic content. Now, back to the show. It's Real Presence Live. Thursday morning, just past the bottom of the hour. And that means, that sound means straight talk. We've got Father Randall Kazel here, who's pastor here at the Church of St. Michael in Pine Island, Minnesota. This is part of the beauty of live radio, Father Kazel, is that we can have people call in at 877-795-0122 or via our RPR Facebook page with your questions and comments on topics relating to the faith on things happening in the world around us. Again, the number 877-795-0122, I'm Matt Wilkham, but the star of this segment is Father Randall Kazel, who's right across the table from me here, and we're at the parish office at St. Michael's right. in Pine Island. Hey, I'm glad to have you here. Glad to have all of our listeners tuning in with us. Uh, Real Presence Radio does a great service here in the upper Midwest, promoting and teaching our faith. We're blessed to be able to be a part of this. So thank you for listening. If you have a question, call in or put it through the website. Um, I'm happy to answer questions if I can. That One of the challenges on live radio, don't always know if I'll be able to answer the question. <laughs> we do our best. You can so, answer pretty much anything. <laughs> I'm well, pretty confident. Well, there's, but there's a lot of great things happening in our, our world. Uh, our Lord is always up to things. Sometimes we can get focused on uh, what's not going right or perhaps some fearful things in the world, but our Lord permits those things at times so we focus on Him. He's really in charge, and He really asks us to exercise our faith, to keep our eyes fixed on Him, to know that He will take care of everything. And what He needs from us is our faith and love in Him. Yes, and uh, there's so much that's happening in the world right now with this pandemic. It's changing by by the week, even by the day. Uh, I think we saw that played out this past week, uh, the past few days, in the decisions by the various college football conferences, whether to play or not, and not all of them have made their decision yet. Uh, There was a, a lot of, there was a, there were, there were schools on, both sides of the spectrum, basically, and, ev- and everywhere in between, saying, we know we can't play, to we absolutely want to play, and in the middle, it's like, well, we'd like to, but we-, we know that this is really the best decision at this time. Yes, I've been following that uh, to s- in some way, not heavily, but I've been h- reading articles here and there, and knowing that a number of the football players who are leaders around the country have come out saying they want to play, and I know others getting advice from medical uh, professionals saying it's a you know a serious risk to play. Uh, we also see the professional sports and how they're playing in a sort of bubble or protected or managed way so they can have the games and then be televised without spectators. It's, uh, it's very interesting and very difficult. I, I think that uh, we'll have to see how it shakes out. It looks like some conferences are going to try to persist in playing, uh, but at, at the same time, you, you wonder... Uh, how this is going to play out, and what, what real risks will there be. Uh, it's one of the things that I come back to that what intrigues me is the essence of this, the, the kind of, in a sense, of risk-taking. What, what degree of risk are we willing to um, live with regarding possible exposure 
to the coronavirus and its potential effects. Uh, it, it seems interesting on that. I was visiting a, a parish here in the Archdiocese, I, and they had a sign-up. Uh, please know you come to the church here at, at your risk. We cannot minimize the risk of attending here at the church to uh, zero. You know, there, there is some risk, and, and I see differences in people all the time, every day, every week, people willing to take more or less risks and, and how that plays out. Uh, so we're 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 in a, like a big drama here in the midst of this, and sometimes I think, how does our Lord see all this? What is He seeing? And I get back to that one thing again that I started with: we need to love our Lord, strive to do what is good and what is best, follow the wisdom of the Holy Spirit. Uh, on one hand, be courageous; on the other hand, be courageous in prudential love. And what is that? And our Lord will have to guide us through this. Absolutely. I've been following the news on the new vaccine that's coming out from Russia, which they have. They've, they've approved it before any other. It seems like maybe it's a point of national pride for them. I think yes. they're calling it Sputnik, something <laughs> like that. A, a real Sputnik moment for Russia. And But you've got Western doctors calling them out and saying, well, there's some real ethical issues here with approving something before it has gone through all of the clinical trials. I think it's right now within the stage three clinical trials where there's many, many thousands, or there will be, of people tested over a period of months, but Russia has decided no, we're gonna we're gonna come out, we're gonna be the first. Uh, but I find it very interesting that there are also some other ethical considerations when it comes to vaccines that the media tend to play down or just gloss over by saying, "Oh, those anti-vaxxers mm-hmm. calling people all oh, they're just anti-vaccine." Yeah. But I think they're they're we all know why they're doing that is because they don't. That is a, a serious thing. See, the vaccines need a, a sort of vehicle uh, to be implemented into the body and, and to become then effective and integrated so the immune system can uh, grasp onto them and respond. So that is a serious problem, Matt. Uh, this is Straight Talk here on Real Presence Live. The number to call to talk with Father Randall Kazel here at 877-795-0122. Any topic related to the faith or anything happening in the world around us, like what we're talking about right now, this virus, 877-795-0122. And another thing with these vaccines that I've noticed, and it's historically, that if if there's a vaccine that has been developed, the the beginning of it was, the origins of it was the... the, the uh, aborted fetal tissue, it tends not to be as effective. And I was just noticing that right. in, in a couple of different vaccines, there's, it seems like the one, there's one from Oxford that does use uh, this strain that from an aborted uh, baby. Uh, and it seems like it's not doing as well in trials as uh, this other one from, I believe it's AstraZeneca, that's being developed in this country that that does not. So I've just yeah, wanted I, to point that out. You know, yeah, I've I've heard uh, observations like this on other other areas of different sorts of vaccines or different forms of treatments where, when there's uh, aborted fetal tissue used as part of the treatments, whether it's a vaccine or some other research, that it, it tends to go awry. It's an inter- interesting phenomenon. However, when adult stem cells, uh, of course, adult stem cells are taken without causing the death of anyone, 
uh, or bringing about the death of anyone or from the death of anyone, uh, when that's used, it tends to have much more promise uh, as far as a therapeutic or a preventative, such as a vaccine, uh, that even though there's that evidence, there is uh, a tendency to not accept that evidence widely. So that, that is a, it, it does beg the question, what, what really are we doing here? Why is this happening this way? And it would eliminate if the adults themselves are another form of that does not cause harm to anyone, another vehicle for the process of therapies were used, will it eliminate the concerns of great numbers of people and uh, perhaps some of the physical detriment that has been shown to happen through the, the wrongful ways. Right. And so I, I feel like the media should be paying more attention to that storyline. The historical evidence of certain vaccines going awry, as you said, namely the ones that have begun that have their origins in aborted fetal tissue rather than those, uh, as opposed to those that don't, which have had much higher rates of success and less problems. Uh, again, this is Straight Talk. You can call in and talk to Father Randall Kazel about anything relating to the faith or anything happening in the world around us. 877-795-0122. Again, 877-795-0122. You want you want to talk some politics, Father? We could. I mean, this I can't. I, we really can't avoid the fact that uh, Mr. Mr. Biden has selected a running mate, right? And how he claims to hold his Catholic faith dearly. What do you What do you think about that? Yeah, it uh, presents some unique difficulties for the faithful because we. We need to have what we what I would describe as a integrity in living and practicing our faith. So, if we have the given that there is no saint candidate, there, there's no say uh, Saint Joseph's running for president. So we're, we're not going to have anybody who's perfect as far as a, a person. And frankly, none of us are perfect. I, I think if any one of us ran for president. Anyone outside of ourselves would find weaknesses and reasons why we could not be president. Uh, so that's that's part of the, the gambit that goes on with, with the election process, no matter what office it is, what someone's strengths and weaknesses. However, our attention in applying our faith uh, regarding uh, going forward and making decisions, well, we apply our faith. Who, who's going to preserve and be able to allow us to uh, even thrive in the midst of living our faith in our experience on a day-to-day basis. And those will be ones, uh, candidates who will have some faith themselves, because then we know that they, uh, well, number one, certain they value faith, they value knowing uh, what it is like to follow Jesus, to love Jesus, to have him as the center and king of one's life. And they will recognize the authority of God in daily lived living. And that's, that's been a given in our country since the founding of our country. And when those principles, we call them the Judeo-Christian principles, which are established within our governing structure, when those are honored and facilitated with clear thinking and the clear consequences that come from those principles, well, then faith is preserved. Faith is, is given its rightful place within family life, within uh, societal life, within governance, and all of the consequences that flow from that. Uh, so in, not all candidates have in mind uh, faith in God, nor faith in the principles that are godly or of God, given to us in scripture and tradition. And that's where part of our key discernment is. And there, there are consequences when we, if, if someone chooses to support or have someone have authority of governance, when that person themselves do not espouse belief in God and the principles of God. Well, they're going, th- those people who are entrusted with authority to leave, 
lead will then uh, enact policies or promote ideas that will be actually contrary to God, detrimental to the practice of faith, detrimental to the passing on of Judeo-Christian principles to the next generation, and even foster uh, uh, various practices or sins that actually offend God and could be a, a serious issue uh, for our nation in the future. So that this is part of the aspect that's at stake here when we think about individual persons, do they believe in God or not, uh, and saying someone believes in God or saying someone is or trying to have the label without clearly having it manifested in actions uh, is not enough. You can't simply say, I am this or I am that or I'm Catholic. Well, is there evidence? Is there evidence of such belief uh, or is it simply someone saying a word and everyone's supposed to accept it? So we need to use that common sense as well as look for the uh, the truth about the matter when we go into these decisions. Right. I think sp- scripture itself says that the demons believe even. Oh, yeah. And tremble. Oh, yeah. So it's not enough to believe yeah. in, in the existence of God or to claim that you have a devotional life. The question is, what are your policies? Uh, and I think it's important to realize, like you were saying, Father, like the president, he's not your pastor. He's not your spiritual director. He's not going to be a saint, probably. <laughs> No, nobody's perfect, but the important thing is, what are his plans for this country, and what are his plans for the church, and what are his plans for life, and the defense of life? Those are the questions that we should be asking, not whether someone's Catholic or not. That's mm-hmm. yeah. So it, secondary. So we. So really, what we talk about are ideas. You know that the. I think the the strength. The strength that we really have is in ideas, because then we find commonalities on what, how we are to be and how we are to act. So that if we understand our faith given to us in scripture and tradition, it's the ideas given to us by God that when we believe them, give us the power to be saved. It's the, the very ideas that come from the mind of God for us to be saved. What we are to believe uh, is the very power on the path to salvation. So when someone is more on that path and believing in more of the things that our Lord wants us to believe, well, that makes a big difference versus if someone is saying, you know, life doesn't matter, family life is the foundation of society, it doesn't matter, uh, when human sexuality is degraded and it doesn't matter, when we know that life is a gift from God and God has told us so and he's made it clear, when we know family life uh, provides the initial meaning and the formation of mind and heart and mental and emotional security for children who become the new adults in the years ahead. When we know that human sexuality has a purpose and a gift from God, well, there's a big difference between believing in the meaning that God gives to life and to human personhood versus not and rejecting human personhood. So th- this is a, a contrast that we have in our choices coming up here in the new future. Yeah, and uh, I was just looking at uh, Catholic news agency, CNA, uh, which is where uh, we, for our Diocese of Winona, Rochester, the news feed on our website, uh, we get from them. Very reliable source. I'm seeing a, a title of a news story here. Biden says, nuns inspire him to run, comma, plans to sue little sisters of the poor. Oh. Uh, so this is a great illustration of the fact that just because you believe in God or claim to be Catholic doesn't mean that you necessarily support what the church stands for. And these are important issues to consider, issues of, inte- of in- integrity, uh, which is the most important thing, I think, when you're talking about electing someone, especially the president. Yeah, and we get into also as a into the matter of conscience. Conscience is that inner 
uh, sanctum or inner sanctuary of the inner person where God shares with the soul what is right and what is wrong and gives the power of the heart and the mind to know which is the right way and which is the wrong way. Now, the conscience can be clouded, and thus we all have a duty to learn the truth. The truth is objective. It is external to oneself. We cannot, you know, no one of us or even a group of us makes up truth or, you know, determines what truth is. Truth is shared with us from he who is the way, the truth, and the life. So truth is external to us, existed prior to any of us and prior to the, the human family uh, being created. So we, we, our consciousness needs to be continually formed in the truth, who is God, and in love. And that, that conscience is that sanctuary within us where when formed with the, the facts or the ideas that God shares with us, giving us truth, and they're accepted in the conscience, well, one can act rightly. One can act according to what is true and objectively true for all people. So this this gets into the aspect of here that um, that the little sisters are acting according to conscience, and as all Catholics are called to form their conscience in truth and act in conformity with the truth. And so the idea that the sisters would not be able to act according to their rightly formed conscience. Uh, how could we possibly support that? Or such an idea that it would be legitimate for a government authoritative, authoritative person that they could trample on someone's rightly formed conscience that, you know, would we really want to allow that to happen? Would we want that to be happened to ourselves? And if we study history, we look back on history, um, such occurrences, uh, we look back on the early church, the martyrs, they were told they either had to worship uh, give false worship to the pagan gods, or they would be martyred. In many cases of that, it says, "Well, we we cannot offer false worship. Be- why why did why did they rightly refuse that? Because God alone is worthy of our worship and do our worship, and there is no one other than God to whom we offer worship." So they were faithful in their inner conscience that was rightly formed, and it cost them their human life in this world. However. Uh, that cost was rewarded with eternal life in heaven and a remembrance of them until the end of time in this world. We don't remember the people who put them to death. We remember the people who gave their minds and hearts and their human life in this world for eternal life in heaven. And so that's the reward of God in the example that we have of, of how this is meant to be and what's at stake even. Absolutely. Great stuff. Father Randall Kazel and I'm Matt Wilkham. On Real Presence Live, it's Straight Talk, where you can call in at 877-795-0122 and talk to Father Kazel about anything anything related to the faith or something else happening in the world that's on your mind that you'd like to get his thoughts on. 877-795-0122. Again, 877-795-0122. Father Kazel, let's talk a little bit about the reopening, the gradual reopening of churches in South Dakota, specifically Sioux Falls, a couple of days ago. Now the new bishop, uh, Donald DeGrude, has issued an adjustment to his decree of dispensation, dispensing people from Sunday Mass, basically saying, you're obligated to come again, once again, unless you're at risk. What are your what are your thoughts on that? Well, I, I, looked, I looked at that. I looked at some summaries of his statement in his uh, letter, and I was impressed. I was pleased. Uh, I think he's a leader in the nation on this regard. I'm not aware of another, but there might be that I'm just not aware. I think he's the first one. Yeah, I think so. Uh, but I, I find that his statements and his rationale, uh, my impression is they're balanced. Uh, they're reasoned. It also provides for anyone who is fearful or perhaps at risk uh, to 
understand that they are not obligated. Uh, but it's also, I, I think he sincerely is reflecting on reality. Like, look, it, it, what our experience here is in this diocese, in this area of the country, in our state, uh, the threat is, is not there so much so that it would mitigate continuing having uh, no obligation to attend. And I think he rightly teaches uh, uh, effectively and profoundly that the center of the expression and practice of our Catholic faith is Sunday Holy Mass, that the worship of God is our first duty, that we show up, we tell God we love him by our presence, and then we do what we can, as best we can, to interiorly participate in the action of the liturgy. That from the sign of the cross, and we begin with worship, that interiorly we're there striving as best we can, again, to, to be present to our Lord and the invisible mystery of our faith and the miracle of the Eucharist uh, take place. And, and he, uh, he explains various exemptions or that, that can be people to look, you know, including people uh, 65 and over, who could be, uh, um, you know, consider that they would not have the obligation, those who have any sort of mitigating health uh, concerns. Uh, but he also gives a gentle uh, nudging regarding, do we want to allow ourselves to be in what, what he used and what I've also described as inordinate fear, which is, in other words, an unreasonable fear. Do our, uh, in other words, do our actions uh, uh, regarding addressing the coronavirus, do they match the threat of the coronavirus? Uh, so that becomes the tension, the question, do our efforts of prevention, do they really match the threat of the virus? So in some areas, there needs to be uh, some real, real heavy, some serious actions uh, where, where there is a threat. And in some areas, it doesn't seem that way. So that, that becomes the tension on balancing this out. And that's why I think the action here in South Dakota is important. And I think it contributes to the national discernment within the church. You know, where is each diocese at? How are we approaching this? Uh, and, you know, our Lord came, he, he said so many times, do not be afraid. You know, be, be spiritually prudent. Yes. Be wise as a serpent and gentle as a dove. Yes. We, we can't be unthinking. Uh, we have to look and see what the evidence are and happens to be. But we also have to have some sense of prudent courage that we, we step out. So it's not an unthinking acting, uh, but it's also not a, a paralyzed in fear inaction regarding proceeding into the future with our Lord. Right. And I, speaking as someone who works for a bishop, I think that we need people back in the pews. We need you to come back to Mass, whether, whether you're obligated formally to do so or not. If you feel that you are able to, we need you to come back uh, because the church needs you. We need that spiritual powerhouse that is our people praying week in and week out, not only for the church in general at large, but for the individual soul of that person. And that's something that Bishop DeGroote highlights. This is, he's, he says, he goes out of his way even, I think, to make it clear that he's making this decision to, to in light of the, his pastoral care that he has charge over all these people in the western part of South Dakota. Mm. That's why he's making this decision out of care, spiritual concern for his flock. Mm -hmm. You made a rare mistake there, Matt. He's actually in eastern South Dakota. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> Just I'm, get, there's a new bishop in western South Dakota, our, Bishop Muich. <laughs> our western part of our diocese of Winona Rochester is right next to Sioux no, Falls. No, no problem, but you're... <laughs> But your point is well taken. I mean, you're, you're right. And I, the only thing I'd add on to that, Matt, is that we do need people 
to come back to the pew. I mean, parishes also need to continue tithing. I know parishes, some, par- some are really hurting in schools and others that where people have tithed past in the past. But I would also say that, that along with asking or encourage people to come back, we also need people to think. We need people to think about, am I meant to be back? Am I, am I in one of the risk groups? Because um, there's some people, do, they, they, they need to also not, uh, um, they may hear this, but they, if, there, if there's some sort of risk and you are legitimately exempted and there's not an obligation, sure. well, they need to seriously consider that. Absolutely. So uh, that's, that's part of the, the aspect of it. I, one thing I appreciate in Bishop DeGroote is he, th- this is a fruit of prayer for him, and he openly admits it. This, this is something I took in my relationship with our Lord. So this is, the, I, I think that's uh, very helpful for people to hear that, and it's a beautiful example like we, we all need to go and be renewed in prayer, be renewed. In that, and that's part of our resistance of the general um, evil. The resisting evil begins with our personal interaction with Jesus, asking him to be the Lord and center of our hearts, welcoming him into our souls every single morning and wanting him to govern and guide us through the day with his love. For he sees all things. He knows what's the best every day. He does. And I think this is a, a very prudent, well-thought-out decision for the, the people of Eastern South Dakota, <laughs> just considering the fact that he has given these exemptions as well. He's saying if you're over 65 or if you've got, he, he names specific conditions, anyone with cancer, chronic kidney, chronic kidney disease, chronic obstructive pulmonary disease, yes. a compromised immune system due yep. to an organ transplant, obesity, yep. serious heart conditions, sickle cell disease, or type 2 diabetes mellitus. You should stay away. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that, it might be hard for people with these conditions to think this or to understand and to think this through uh, because it, it greatly increases the risk of more serious health problems, particularly catching the virus. But words, so. for those people who maybe would think, well, uh, I don't have to go to Mass. See ya. Exactly. See you later. Or not. Yeah. And, or not. And that, the longer you're away, uh, the more, I think, danger that you will won't come back. Exactly, because where our faith is also a matter of habits, habitual, and that is one of my concerns as we continue to progress in the pattern we are, is that people just get used to not going to Mass. They get used to, I could just watch it on TV, or I could just, and they get used to the convenience of not taking the time to physically show up, uh, even though there, there are many parishes offering the opportunity for public worship now, um, and, and many are rightfully staying away, but others who could come are just saying, you know what, it doesn't, you know, I don't have to, so I'm not going to. And that, that's the segment that really concerns me, who we, we, you know, basically would have them in the fold coming in and outside of a COVID time, but now they're, they're slipping, uh, maybe less prayer now, less attention to God, just simply less thinking about God, uh, which realizes a diminishment of the exercise of faith on a daily basis, less interaction with Jesus, and it's easy to get wrapped up in the spirit of the world. And then what happens when God is removed from your life? It, it, it just doesn't go away. There's something that has to fill that void, right? Something yeah. else will come along. Well, eventually, you know, happiness decreases. Eventually, meaning begins to be uh, clouded. Uh, so, uh, being close to Jesus, he really is the light of the mind and the intellect and the strength of the will for good. So, we, we need him. And for a shepherd to have that kind of emphasis in the midst of his diocese, I think it, it provides a light, I think, for uh, that particular case. And he, he deemed it to be, uh, in his discernment, to be his next step. So that's good. Well, hopefully uh, the virus will continue to uh, play out in a way that we can have more decisions like this coming down from other bishops very soon. 
Uh, but I think Bishop DeGroote is very courageous in being the first one to do this. Yeah, I think so. I think there is a, a courage with that and being willing to say, you know, but I think our Lord gave that grace. I, I think we, uh, as with a lot of these things, continue to pray for our pastors, pray for our bishops, pray for the wisdom and the strength for that leadership and the exercise of that real authority that is entrusted to them by our Lord to be exercised in that way. Yeah, I, I know for our Diocese of Winona, Rochester, we've begun in doing certain things. We had, we've had one retreat, and now we're continuing now uh, to deliver our newspaper, The Courier, at least to people who are at home. And so uh, things are gradually starting to open up, so hopefully we'll continue on that path. Up next, we'll visit with Jason Adkins about recent rulings by the Supreme Court affecting religious liberty. I'm Matt Wilkham along with... Father Randall Kazel. We're here at the Church of St. Michael in Pine Island, Minnesota. It's Real Presence Live. There's more to come. Stay with us.